yeah, as, as Jonathan said, I got a chance to meet with him in, um, in Chico. Jonathan, your heart is just so pure, dude. I really love you, man. And the conversation we had on the phone and from coast to coast a couple of weeks ago. And um, just thank you for your guys' heart. Um, and everybody, I've been listening in on some of these teachings. And man, it's just such deep stuff. Um, I kind of wanted to piggyback off of what, if, if anybody was on the call yesterday with Matthew Lilly um, and his teaching on the Tabernacle of David, um, Burn 24 7. And it's kind of our our soul heart's desire and what we know we're alive for is to see the tabernacle of David rebuilt. And Matthew had some great insight into the practicals behind it. Um, even just what we were praying for you guys, one of the pictures that I believe is, is um, happening right now. And what I, you know, even in studying um, after Matthew's, I listened in on um, the brother, the messianic brother um, teaching on eschatological understanding and things like that. And, um, our heart, you know, and understanding the more we, we delve into the scriptures on what's happening in the earth right now. And I, I believe one of the greatest um, <clears throat> signs of the times is the rebuilding of the tabernacle of David, that we are literally at the door where Christ Messiah is about to come back and um, establish his, his, you know, reign upon the throne of David, where there's so much in scripture that points to that day of the coming of the Lord. And um, one of my favorite scriptures that I think paints a perfect picture of this, of an Old Testament reality that I believe is the new covenant heart of God is when Solomon rebuilt the temple or when Solomon built the temple originally, the original Solomon's temple in Second Chronicles chapter five. Um, many of us know that incredible story where, you know, the, the glory of the Lord just literally rested upon the temple. Um, but what's incredible, even leading into this Pentecost, you guys, is um, when you study even deeper into that scripture, Solomon got everything in perfect alignment. He got all the blood sacrifices going on and all the Levitical priests, according to the, to the Levitical tasks and duties and setting everything in perfect order. But it wasn't until Solomon actually instituted the, David, the Davidic worship where 120 musicians began to play in unison that the glory of the Lord actually rested upon the sound and the song that was coming forth from those musicians and those anointed um, psalmists in the, in the tabernacle as, as, as David in, had instituted originally. And, and you even see through the, um, the book of First Chronicles, when David instituted this tabernacle of David, it was called this place of constant 24-7 worship and prayer that there was a generation like Asaph, it was under the leadership of Asaph, Jay Duthin, and Heman that were the, the chief musicians of that hour. And they literally began to raise up Davidic worshipers and, and priests to teach them how to prophesy on their instruments, to teach them how to, to, to create sounds and to write songs in the presence of the Lord where the glory of God was resting upon an entire generation. And so I believe one of the greatest things that we're beginning to see that is a, a, a forerunner movement into what's going to become that last moment in history that really prepares the earth for the second coming of the Lord is the, the, the prophecy of the rebuilding of the tabernacle of David along with the nation of Israel coming into alignment and being returned back into their land and Israel being established and that tabernacle that really is a picture of, of the house of David as it says but what's happening over the past 
man, maybe 30, 40 years as we're really beginning to see 24-7 houses of prayer devoted to actually just giving themselves to the priestly rule that we just know that we're at that time and the time of the Lord is at hand where he really is about to split the eastern sky and come back and just and, and reign in all of his glory and bring all of the righteousness and judgment to the forefront and to judge the nations of the earth and all of the wickedness and the stuff that we know is is prevalent and and the role of the tabernacle of david what matthew explained kind of was the function of the tabernacle of david but what i really want to to share with you guys my heart and my passion you guys is even part of my story you know my part of my story i came out of of um i did time in Folsom prison and came out of prison um completely addicted to to so many different things but as i began to step into an atmosphere of pure worship and prayer my wife and i aren't even musicians the crazy thing we're not even musicians we are we're we're in you know we just we love intercessory prayer meetings but we began to encounter god in a whole different way when we stepped into davidic musicians psalmists prophets as the scripture calls them they were prophets they would prophesy on their instruments and when you come into an environment like that the, the abiding presence of the Lord, as it says in Psalm 22, 3, that God actually sits, or he, one, one translation says he, he inhabits praises. Another translation says he sits enthroned upon the praises of his people in an atmosphere where, you know, in, in some of my old, you know, some of my old prayer meetings that we would, um, you know, we would get into sometimes, and I, I joke about it because I love intercession, man. I love to just pound, pound, you know, and, and, and because prayer is such an integral part of, of, of bringing God's, um, God's plan and God's heart into, um, you know, the natural realm through understanding, interceding, and praying spiritual things. And, and, but as we, my, my wife and I came out of these, these, these prayer meetings into um, Tabernacle of David expressions where there is the psalmists and the anointed musicians strumming on their instruments and God begins to literally rest upon the praises of his people that something begins to happen in our intercession, in our prayers, in our, um, in our contending. Um, and one of the terms that we use frequently when the burn 24 seven is we actually say that we, we dethrone principalities and powers by building a bigger throne for God to reign upon in our, in our cities. That by, by, by praise, by worship, I, call, I, I, I love the term, we call it intercessory worship. Because there's a difference between intercessory prayer because we understand the strategic praying of scriptures, which is, man, I mean, that's my wife and I's heart. We love the two, you know, IHOP coins it, you know, International House of Prayer coins it, the harp and the bowl. But I also, as a, um, as an intercessor that is really understanding the heart and, and learning the heart through sitting endless hours in music and anointed musicians, not just, not just, you know, not, not just gifted musicians, but actually lovers of the presence of Jesus that have been gifted by God, but they go beyond their gift and they tap into their, their bridal identity in Christ to actually to, to sing songs to Jesus. It's not what somebody sung a year ago during some, you know, whatever it is and, and singing other people's songs, but they're actually tapping into what God is currently doing, even over a city or over a region. And to, to actually help and empower people to build houses of prayer, to build burn furnaces, we call them, or houses of prayer, whatever type of expression it is, 
over cities and regions and through devoted worship and prayer, you're actually building this resting place for the glory of God to prepare a city and a region for the coming of the Lord. And as we're beginning to see this happen all across the, the globe, um, we're just, we're, we're encouraged. I'm encouraged because I believe one of the, one of the things at the beginning of the new year, I, I got really struck by the heart of the Lord. And this was probably in January, even before Jonathan and I were together, but I was sitting in our, our prayer furnaces that we do Monday and um. And I literally felt the heart of the father. It's like the heart of the father came upon me. And I felt the, I felt the father's urgency for the hour that we're in that, you know, we, we've seen for a generation and the church, the, 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 the body of Christ has done an incredible job of teaching on our identity as sons and daughters. And that is such a key to understanding um, who we are and, and, and breaking the orphan spirit and no longer just, you know, equipping people through their gifts of the Holy Spirit and then losing a generation because the, they don't know how to steward the anointing because they don't yet know who they are or anything like that. And, you know, understanding sonship and that we're sons and daughters is such a key thing. But I, I remember, feel, you know, this, this incredible presence of God came upon me and I began literally weeping in this way that God was showing me the pleasure of his heart and also the urgency of he's pleased that we know we're the, his sons and daughters. And we understand Abba, we understand the father, but the father was like, Chris from all from the beginning of creation in the garden of Eden, I actually created man. I created Adam. I created mankind to not be alone and the picture of pulling Eve out of the side of Adam in the beginning and even the apostle Paul talking about this in Ephesians that that for this reason a man shall leave his father and his mother and go cleave to his wife God was showing me it's time for my people to know their relationship to my son Yeshua because I want I am preparing a bride in the earth for my son and ultimately, when the, the end of the road hits and, and all things are summed up in one man, Christ Jesus, there is a bride that has made herself ready in one of the darkest hours in human history. And we read in the book of Acts, or in the book of Revelation when judgments and vials and, and scrolls are being opened, that yet in the midst of all of this going on, there's a bride making herself ready and in the secret place of the Most High God, in that intimate chamber of the Lord, like it is in the Song of Solomon, where a bride is so radically in love she has dipped her her garments in the blood of the lamb and is ready to go through whatever she needs to because she's been captivated by the by the lamb of god who is was slain before the creation of the world and is ready to follow him even if it costs her everything that there is going to be a generation in this last hour that is going to be ready to spill their blood on the ground for the sake of christ not out of devotion to any adherence to doctrine or, or, or church or, 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 you know, even intercession, that, but the, but spirit in, in, in Revelation twenty two seventeen it says the spirit and the bride say, come the spirit and the bride joining. There's this last moment in history where you begin to see the Holy spirit who has the, the, the revelation of the will of the father, the spirit makes intercession according to the will of God from the beginning. It has always been God's plan to have a bride for his son and it's all summed up in one generation where he sends out these laborers he sends out servants to invite them to the wedding supper 
at that last hour and, and many make excuses because they're too busy doing not even sinful things, but just normal everyday life things. And this has been such even, even more so during this coronavirus that God has shut everything down so that we could actually realign to the things that were distracting us and taking us away from the ultimate purpose of God's heart. And that is for us to be a bride who has made herself ready in the chambers of the Lord and is literally willing to chase after him, even if it costs us our lives, even if we have to spill our blood on the ground, even if we have to face persecution that, you know, in all reality, you guys, 15% of the world's population lives in first world reality that we have the absolute blessing to live in. There is 85% of the world out there that has been living in, in conditions that we could never even imagine living in as Americans, and yet we have the blessing, and, and, and God has been able to use America to bless the nation, but he's bringing us all back into this alignment of my bride is making herself ready. Nothing can be a distraction right now. Nothing can be in the way, and it is my heart's desire, my heart's passion, even in understanding that what's happening with 24-7 worship and prayer as God is, is, is rebuilding the tabernacle of David again, it all points to this reality that my son is coming and a bride needs to be ready. There is a bride who is making herself ready. And it's not even so much about you guys. I've been in, I've, I've been guilty of it a thousand times over that I come into a gathering and it's great worship going on. And I'm just sitting there actually receiving from the Lord because other people's anointings are doing and I'm just like oh man you know but yet my heart is far from the reality of the glory of God like my heart is far from the reality that he is the lamb that was slain and it's like it's not until we actually engage the presence of the Lord in those types of environments instead of and, and not even praying what we prayed you know a little while ago or a month ago but hearing the fresh revelation that's on God's heart engaging the intercessory prayer realm of God where we are before the throne in heaven and declaring that the whole earth is filled with his glory. Even in the dark hours, you guys, I am fully convinced why God is, 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 is rebuilding this tabernacle of David is so that we would throw aside all the distractions, not even saying like, like when God sent out this invitation for people to come in, their, their, their excuses was, I just purchased a, a plot of land and I need to go, you know, I, I need to go make, test it, make sure everything's fine with my plot of land. Another guy says, I went, I just married a wife. Please have an excuse. Another said, I just bought some yoke of oxen. I need to go. These are healthy, normal things of life. But what God is saying is that there is, there is coming a moment in history that it's time to shut down business as usual. And to really get the, the, the people of God ready because the Lamb of God is, a, is, 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 is worthy of it all and he's coming. John the Baptist was such an example of, of before the first coming of Messiah that he was, he was born to be a priest. He was born to actually have fame and notoriety in the nation of Israel. But there was a divine call on his life as one forerunner for, 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 the, for the Messiah to come to put himself and to actually go into the wilderness and to give his life devotion to making himself ready because he was to be a voice for a short time before Messiah came. And his simple message was repent because the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Repent. 
And when we understand even the word repentance, you guys, he was speaking to Israel. He wasn't saying you guys are just sinful and evil and you all need to get your lives right because Messiah is coming. No, he was saying repentance in the Greek is the word metanoia, which means change the way you think. Because the way you think, and he said, stop saying that because we are the tribe of Abraham, that we have access into this. Because I tell you, God can, can take anybody and actually bring them into sons and daughters and to make them a bride ready for his son. He just simply said, stop saying within yourselves. And, and I feel that same message for the church across the globe right now. God is, is doing something that is so far beyond what we've ever thought, asked, thought, or imagined. And all we need to do is come into the pure glory that is already in the earth. His glory is already here. I love the, the Isaiah 6 message where, you know, that the seraphim in the, in the year that King Isaiah died, and, and, and I feel like that's even a word for this year. This was, you know, the 2020 vision and all these incredible prophecies about what God was going to do in 2020. But now it's like it's the year that King Isaiah died. It literally is like there is death in the land right now. But Isaiah, in, in approaching the throne of heaven, he saw a different reality and a perspective that's going on around the throne room 24-7, where the, the, the seraphim themselves are declaring the whole earth is filled with the glory of the Lord. They're not saying the whole earth will be filled. They're saying the whole earth is filled with the glory of the Lord. And he's, and it was an invitation for Isaiah to stop complaining because he, all he could do was see how wicked everybody was around him, how bad it is in the earth. And his intercession was according to the, the, you know, the, the frustration of his own soul, because I'm just a, a bunch, you know, a bunch of wicked people around me. I don't even know, you know, and God said, no, look at this. Look at what's happening around my throne. The seraphim and the cherubim and the 24 elders, they are bowing night and day. They are not concerned about what's happening in the earth or how bad it is or darkness or demonic ideologies or demonic agenda. They are literally gazing at God and releasing glory. It was the sound of the seraphim's worship that shook the doorpost in heaven and the glory of the Lord filled the temple even more. And I believe that's the picture, that's the revelation into the tabernacle of David being established. It's such a, a you know, it, it's these small little prayer rooms around the globe that are going on, whether it's two or three, there's been times at two o'clock in the morning, there's a worship leader in myself and yet the glory is so thick and I'm like, ah, you know, just weeping and just like, God, like you're so good. Like you don't need a bunch of people. You don't need a thousand people in a conference in order for your glory. Like all we got to do is gaze at you and we respond in worship. It's intercessory worship. It's, it's, it's just, you are the lamb that is slain. It's not even so much, uh, please don't get me wrong because I'm an intercessor and I get the role of actually the scriptures and being prayed out and, and confronting things. And, 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 but there's also the role of worship where all we, we don't let the, 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 the situation at hand dictate our agenda. We actually gaze at God like the spirit and the bride in the last hour are just saying, come Lord Jesus. And I mean, even John, his response to that, John literally just beheld the darkest hour in human history. And his heart was probably so heavy. <laughs> you know, his heart was like, because even his response is like, even so Lord come. Like I, I see what like literally this last hour is going to look like. Even so though, Lord, I'm going to join instead of, instead of, instead of having to worry about what I just saw and 
and darkness and, and antichrist and all this. He's just like, oh, I'm going to join with this. The spirit and the bride say, come. Even so, come, Lord Jesus. And there's the, this, this compilation together, you guys, I believe, in this last hour that God is, is inviting his bride into the revelation of Jesus Christ. The book of Revelation starts out with those words, the revelation of Jesus Christ. It's not about the darkness of the last hour. It's about the unveiling, the revelation. Come on, Maranatha. Yes, exactly. That is the word, Maranatha. The, 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 the compilation of all things, the beginning of the book of Revelation is the, the, the revelation of Jesus Christ. As dark as it seems like it can get in the earth, we have not seen anything yet as far as what God looked upon when he created all things and he looked upon the surface of the deep and blackness was everywhere but the word of god jesus the word became flesh and all things were shaped and fashioned in that environment and we need to be willing to go into the darkness like moses moses went into the dark cloud where god was and he found the secret of the tabernacle within there and i just did this this place of a bridal identity you guys this place of bridal intercession this price of this place of, of bridal love is where we're going to begin. Jesus himself is sitting on the balconies of eternity because even Jesus says, I don't know the hour, only the father. Jesus himself says, I don't know that day or the hour. The angels don't and I don't, only the father that he said in his own self. And I've so many times in the presence of the Lord, I see Jesus like over the balcony in eternity, hearing my simple little love cry of Jesus, come, I want you so bad. Will you come, will you? And I'm, I'm broken and, and, and just like, like so mixed together with how much he loves me and I wanna love him back. And I'm, I'm saying stupid prayers. I'm like, God, I wanna die. I wanna spill my blood on the ground, you know, because I, I love him that much. And I believe God is gonna raise up this love sickness, like in the Song of Solomon, where there's this, this, this bride that is so sick inside, like it's this love sickness where nothing else matters but Jesus. Like, I don't care. Take it all. Shut down. I'm even Malachi 1. God says, well, somebody just shut the temple doors before incense rises. He says, I need, to, I need you guys to get this right. Before incense even rises, shut the temple doors. Stop, stop lighting meaningless sacrifices to me. Get your hearts in a place where you see my beauty. You see me. You behold me as in a mirror, the glory of the Lord. And you'll be transformed into that same image. And then the cry inside of us begins to join with the Holy Spirit and intercession and it literally builds a tabernacle for God to rest upon and to actually come into cities all across the globe and to fill the earth with his glory. This is the will of God from the beginning. literally so enamored with the beauty of your fiery eyes god and the beauty of the man the god man jesus christ lord and it doesn't matter how dark the hour gets god there is a heartbeat inside of him that is willing to lay it all down that is willing to 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 to, to, to pay the ultimate cost for the sake of the gospel, Lord, and to give themselves to intercession, God, to give themselves 
to the secret place of the Most High God, where they desire more to be hidden in the secret place rather than to be pulled into public platforms, God, and to be adored by men, Lord, but they've reserved that adoration. They have not bowed their knee to Baal nor kissed him with their lips, but they have left that kiss to be the kisses of your mouth, Jesus. We love you, Jesus. Raise up this cry. Raise up the Maranatha cry, Lord. Raise up that, that, that spirit and bride culmination together, that cry inside, Lord, that is the great invitation, God, to that Jesus, you would come and that the all the world would come, God, that, that evangelistic heart too, Lord, in the same cry together, Lord, is inviting everybody to come to this wedding supper, God, the wedding supper of the Lamb, Lord. We love you so much. We appreciate you, Lord Jesus. We desire you, Lord Jesus. And let this be released, God, even on Pentecost, Lord. Let us, Lord, the picture of the 120 playing in unison, God, and that, and, and the, the, the building of the tabernacle, Lord, the building of the temple in Solomon's day, Lord, to the picture of the Pentecost, Lord, that 120 in the upper room, Lord, that were fully in unison together, Lord, and you showed up in glory, Lord. God, we pray this in this hour, Lord. We thank you for your presence. We thank you for your face. We thank you for your glory, for who you are. In Jesus' name, amen.